Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that has learned that this week we have people who are actually searching for us online. Isn't that right, Holly? Who, who, Holly, who are we saying hello to? Uh, we are saying hello to Tim Richards yep. and anybody else from the PwC New Law team. Oh, the PwC New Law, New Law team. That sounds like a... That sounds like a quiz, a quiz team name. I mean, you know, <laughs> Sharon and I won a, met at a movie quiz, and we had like all sorts yeah. of names, like the, because you you were what, what, I think you were Sharktopus. We we started off as Sharktopus, and then we became Snow Beast. Okay. <laughs> oh, draft. So we started we off were... as Sharktopus. Yeah. I forgot what we were called. We were called so, the Something Unappreciation Society. Because there was a film. It was the Black Swan Unappreciation Society. That was it, the Black Swan Unappreciation Society, because we all thought Black Swan was overrated. Anyway, I'm I doing this. <laughs> anyway, I'm doing this back to front. My name is Tosin. I am the host. I'm based somewhere up in the Midlands near Birmingham in the UK. Joining me, as always, you've already heard them, on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. And joining us from London and bringing along a whole bunch of PwC. We're getting that PwC catchment area. That's, the, that's like, you know, the big sort of like, you know, market share we've been after is Holly Neslin. Hello. Our London correspondent. A London correspondent who has been too busy having holidays and any other kind of stuff to have any time for us or to watch anything and tell us about it. But <laughs> but this week you did, Holly, you did. You, you have been a better person than I am. And you have gone and you have actually fulfilled a promise that we made a while back to Sharon, which I have yet to bring myself to do. You went and watched the film Persuasion on Netflix. <laughs> so so you you can fully... Uh, oh, okay, look at Sharon's face. Oh, poor Sharon. <laughs> Sharon, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm having to remember it up. all over again. <laughs> so for those of you... Okay, for the, for the PwC Brigade, let, let me explain what's going on here. So Sharon is a massive Jane Austen fan. You've read, I'll say probably all the books. I can't I've, believe I've been saving one. I've never wanted to be at that point in my life where there was no more books to read. Like Alexander, who wept when there was no more worlds to conquer. I didn't want to be in that position where there was no more Jane Austen to read. So I have been saving one. So I haven't read Mansfield Park because I've been saving it because I did not want to be in that position where there had no more to look forward to. Okay, now this makes this, this yeah. raises questions. So at what point are you planning to read Mansfield Park? Are you never going to read it? Is that your plan? No, I am planning to read it, but I, it was one of those books where the first, I've tried to read it once and I was like, nope, don't like it. And I thought, no, 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 <laughs> I need to be in a better, I need to be more mature to read this. Because I read all of them like really back to back when I was in my twenties. And I thought, no, I need, sometimes you need to read a book in your maturity rather than, your, than in your youth. Uh -huh. So I thought I did not want to be reading Mansfield Park because it's a book I found challenging because it's their cousin, they're all cousins. And I'm like, I'm not going to marry my cousin. Why would you marry your cousin? It's just that's that's just wrong. And so I need to be a bit more forgiving of the time. So I thought, no, I need to wait okay. to be in a better place to read it. So I haven't read it yet. Okay, okay, uh, uh, I will, and, uh, I okay. And and uh, at this point in time, I realize I'm in the middle of an explanation, but I have a tangent to go on because Sean isn't here, so I'm going to have to do his his tangent game for him. But it's funny you say that because I remember Firefly, the TV show Firefly. And I remember watching, every, there's 15 episodes. 
I remember watching 14 of them and then not watching the last episode for something close to a year because I knew that once, because I knew that it had been cancelled and it's one of the great travesties of TV that Fox cancelled Firefly and never let that series actually leave and everybody goes, you idiots! So we only have 15 episodes. And I remember not watching the final episode for about a year because I was like, well, once I finish it, there's no more Firefly. And so I kept that. Yeah, so I, I totally understand that. But so anyway. Talk about that and Joss Whedon and, you know, problematic behavior so you know maybe there were benefits in that even though it made me very sad that they cancelled it well no but if you're gonna say that are you gonna are you gonna say it would have been better if we'd only had one season of buffy oh, good point <laughs> okay all right well, anyway okay back to the thing i was talking about persuasion persuasion <laughs> so yeah. sharon is a jane austen fan and the um, netflix released a version of persuasion which is sharon's favorite jane austen novel starring dakota johnson I always need to get that right and not say fanning. And uh, <laughs> so, starring Dakota Johnson. And um, and Sharon hated it. A lot of the internet hated it. The Jane Austen corner of the internet that we found out about exists hated it because they all jumped on top of, they all jumped onto our review and they all went, yes, you're right, this sucks. Oh my God, I can't believe Netflix did this. And so... So we all, because of that time, obviously, we, we are not used to having a lot of um, attention from anybody. People were showing us attention. So we were like, ah, oh, Sean and I jokingly went, you know what? If this review that we put up on YouTube hits 500 views, we will watch Persuasion. Thinking it will never happen. <laughs> we, oh, the fools we were. We didn't realize the power of the Jane Austen internet. It went way past 500. So Sean and I have a standing a standing promise to watch persuasion which i'm scared to do because i'm really really scared that i might like it and after <laughs> and, af and after sharon's and i feel like that's the wrong answer after, <laughs> absolutely the wrong answer <laughs> if you if you go into our persuasion it uh, persuasion review on youtube you will see sharon's passion passionate dislike of this film let me put it that way and you will see why it is the wrong answer to like persuasion and i'm scared i might like it which, which is part of the reason why I'm, i've been putting it off but but holly you now understand everything sharon was on about i do i enjoyed the beginning of it more than sharon but that's arguably because it would be impossible to enjoy it less very <laughs> <laughs> I found some of the things that Sharon found irritating a little more endearing slash comedic, but fundamentally, oh goodness, heaven, <laughs> heaven above, and all of the profanities I use on work calls that I don't actually use here, what? <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, all right, fine. I will eventually go there and we shall, we shall do that. We shall do that. But anyway, so you managed to watch all these things. But what we usually do on this podcast is we go to the cinema and we watch a couple of things. And then we come back and we watch a couple of things on streaming, um, streaming sites. And we rate them all out of five, take an average and see where our money has been better spent this week. This week, we have two things in the cinema. So Sharon, you and I are representing cinema today. What did you see in the cinema? I went to see Black Adam at the cinema. Yeah, Black Adam to go see his rockness, his rockness, Dwayne yes. Johnson. And I, I saw that. And in addition, I saw Barbarian, which is the horror movie that everybody is talking about. It's one of those ones where people are like, don't find out anything. Don't find out anything before you do it. So when it comes <laughs> to review it, it's going to be interesting to try and talk about a film in which you shouldn't really talk about anything. 
<laughs> before before go see it. And at home, at home, Holly, we have we have landed stuff in your lap. What are the two things you are bringing to go up against Black Adam and uh, what's the other thing I said? Barbarian. Uh, we agreed, and I'm going to have to speak for Sean here as well on Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Though I could also uh, drag in a whole host of other random things I've watched this week, including very poor horror film. But I'll save that for another day. Save that for another day. Save that for another day. As anybody who's listening, the PWC Brigade will, will know that the, obviously we are a very, very disciplined podcast. We haven't just spent 17 minutes talking about nothing. So, so we are a very, very disciplined podcast. And so we will say, no, keep all that random rubbish out. And we're going to stick with the pre-appointed rubbish of <laughs> Love of the Rings, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. So let us kick off. Let us kick off with our film in cinema as is our want. And we're going to kick off with Black Adam. So Sharon, would you like to tell us about this? Give us a praise of what Black Adam is all about. Okay, my uh, I have to sort of preface what I'm going to say about Black Adam in that I, when I worked, went in to see it, I thought it was a Marvel film. So I spent <laughs> the first part of the film completely puzzled <laughs> while most of the film people thinking where does that fit into the marvel universe and then i realized that it was actually dc it's a dc and so film. that changes everything so i was a bit puzzled so because I, and i know nothing about the comics graphic novels whatever you like to call them i know nothing about those they are outside of my experience so i watch it completely as as the one form that which i know as as a film so this start, starts off with somewhere somewhere Mm-hmm. There's a group of enslaved peoples in a hot country. Yep. That sort of looks like a form of Egypt, but it's not Egypt because it's called something else. Kandak. Where you have, you have, that's it, where you have like a, a pharaoh-type king who has forced his peoples into slavery to to search for a, a thing, like yes. a power source. Thingamajigger. Uh, a thingamajig, um, <laughs> in which we'll, we'll do stuff. And once he's got this stuff, he's going to make himself incredibly powerful because there's like these little demons who are going give him power yeah because there's, reasons well, with, because <laughs> of reasons and then you've got these non-demons like these wizards who are like apparently the good guys who have decided that if he's going to have this power because of this stuff then we're going to have a good guy who's going to be able to battle him yes and then stuff 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 happens there's a sort of a stuff and they <laughs> jump forward 2000 years and they find a tomb that has it's got the rock in it <laughs> and then more stuff happens and there's fighting shooting punching running about and then something happens at the end <laughs> so, so, um, i love this <laughs> <laughs> I love this so, as, as a summary of superhero film. Yeah. And so yeah, there's um, stuff goes on. <laughs> a lot of it. Often <laughs> most of it featuring Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> so, uh, uh, then then just... su- superhero stuff happens. Superhero film yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> so I would just I was watching it sort of going I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't think it matters really. <laughs> but every now and then a character would turn up and I think. What's that about? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm sure if I had read any of the comics or had any any inkling into what the world meant, it might yes. have made some sense to me. But it was stuff running about. It was people running around doing stuff, and yeah. then things got smashed. Yeah, it, it, I think. Up. I think. 
I think this this film. I I think in the in the film, you know, it, when I was sat there, you know, at the beginning, they have this they have this prologue that's narrated by a kid, and yeah. it's sort of like, and, and they talk about, oh yeah, this thing, and there's this there's this thing called Ethereum. There's a there's a there's a an element called Ethereum that this king has enslaved his people to go find so he can get this crown. And once they said that, I actually I almost went MacGuffin in the cinema. <laughs> Because, I mean, from the word go, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those films. It's going to be one of those things where we have the MacGuffin. And if anybody doesn't understand what the MacGuffin means, it's a term that was coined by um, Alfred Hitchcock. And it just meant the thing in the film that means that you have all this action. It's like, this thing is the excuse for the act. What is the thing? It doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's a MacGuffin. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it does. It's there for reasons. But because this thing is here, you can have a good guy. You can have a bad guy. You can have a fight. And um, it could have been anything. It could have been a piece of lettuce. It, it doesn't really matter. And I feel like I feel like this this film it is... you. You mentioned about where it's set, the fact that it's it's set in this place called Kandak, which is obviously, obviously supposed to be a Middle Eastern country. So it's a bit like how Marvel made up Wakanda to be an African country. This has made up Kandak to be a Middle Eastern country. And there are some problematic things that I found with that. <laughs> because there were... So uh, the, the, the prologue of the film is all done in some foreign language, some foreign Arabic sounding language. That's the, the prologue of the film is done there is done in that thing. But then once you get to the present day, you have in this Kandak, everybody speaks with like you have the character played by Sa uh Sir oh what's her name? Is it Sarah Sa Sarah Shahi? Yeah, you have the character played by Sarah Shahi and she, you know, she's an American actress, but I think she's of Iranian descent. And she has, like, you know, a Middle Eastern accent. And everybody in this country spills like a Middle Eastern thing. And then The Rock, who is supposed to be this hero or anti-hero from 2,000 years ago, before anybody in that country would have spoken English, comes out with an American accent. And <laughs> he comes out suddenly as The Rock. And he comes out speaking English. And you're like, wait a second. Where did he get English from? Why all of a sudden did he have English? And it's, and these are the kind of things that, I mean, you could, you, you it's a film where, it, ideally, it's a kind of film you're supposed to switch your brain off from and just sort of like, enjoy, and hey, things are blowing up, and the guy came out of a th tomb and immediately incinerates, and like, incinerates a whole squadron of mercenaries. Like, he kills them. He straight up kills them. And you're like... They all seem to be Australian. I'm thinking, when did Australian become the bad guys? Well, no, they were, they, they were international, because I know there were some who were oh. Australian, some were South African, some were West African. They, were, they, 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 ah. made, they made a very big, they made a very key thing of making sure that this is an international group, uh, and who were actually called intergang. So inter, intergang. Inter, I couldn't yeah. work out what that was about at all. I was thinking, are they all, is it Antipodean? Are they the... Are they the new bad guys? It, it's they're supposed to be like this group of they're supposed to be this group of um uh mercenaries. There's supposed to be this group of mercenaries that have somehow taken over a country and they're like the police force in this country and they've enslaved the people in it. So the fact is like it's supposed to be something like ideally say so you switch your brain off for and just watch. But the film itself keeps trying to be like, oh no, look, we're serious. Oh no, we're making a real point about, you know, people uh, people being oppressed and we're gonna and so they keep trying to stretch for something that's more and something that's a bit more like social commentary. And it doesn't quite fit <laughs> with some of the boneheaded decisions that they make in the film. It's, like, it's all about freedom. It's like freedom. It's like Mal Gibson's going to come running on in it with blue paint on his face. But it was, I yeah. But I, stuff happened, and it was a lot of shouting and running around and blowing things up. But yeah, and with Chris Bosnian appears. 
Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, no, okay, no, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate is actually one of the cool things. It's, it's one of the cool things. And so, Holly, you actually, yeah, you just asked the question. I missed it. I was just going to say, it's they're, they're all being oppressed by the classic combination of the Australians, the South Africans, the West Africans, who are renowned for their collegiate working together. <laughs> well, no, no, but then it's, it's so, you see, no, that, that's, that's the part of the problem in this film is the world building. It's the world building, and it's they keep doing things that, they keep doing things in the film that give you other questions that make you ask hang on a second what about that and how about what about that and they have things in the film that you like this film even though it's a dc film it relies on a lot of the heavy lifting that marvel has already done for it to make sense like all of a sudden hawkman shows up and if you've read the comic you know who hawkman is if you never read the comic you don't have a clue but the fact that Hawkman lives in a mansion that looks very much like the Professor X mansion from the X-Men movies. He has a he has a jet that comes out of the ground. And when it came out of the ground, the first thing I thought of was, oh my God, Terra Hawks. And I'm not sure. <laughs> and I think, and I think, okay, I think both of you might understand that. You, and, and anybody who was a Nigerian growing up in the 1980s will understand when I say Terra Hawks. But that was the first thing I thought of. It looked like someone had thrown a whole bunch of money to hide that this was Terra Hawks. And... <laughs> And it's just and so so yeah uh, I I actually I actually made some lists okay it, it does the horrid American thing where you're brown so you can be of Middle Eastern Hispanic whatever descent because hey they're all the same so the 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 rock is brown therefore yeah he can play a guy what does it matter that he doesn't have the accent what does it matter that he just sounds American for no good reason that that got my nose and there's a bit where I actually thought they were going to do something different with this film there's a bit where I thought they were going to do something different with this film. And that was like, it had a chance to end differently. And you know, because I remember when, um, what's his name? The guy who directed Logan, James Mangold. James Mangold, he, he released the first page of the film Logan, of the screenplay he'd written for Logan. And there's a bit where it says, this is not your average superhero movie. This is not going to end. And he, has the, he actually wrote, this is not going to end in some massive CGI effathon. Is what, is what he actually wrote in the script. And there's a bit where you think, oh, wow, this film. Oh, this film might be switching for something different. It might not be ending in a massive CGI effathon. It might be doing something. Oh, 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 no, oh, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It was a fake out. There was a bit where you look, you think that they're going for something bigger. They're going for something a bit more philosophical. They're going for something a bit more thinky. And then they go, oh, no, 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 oh, no, CGI, CGI punching CGI. <laughs> and it's, and it's just kind of like, and. And I think one of the things like I came up with this because The Rock said that he wanted to make Black Adam because when he was growing up, Black Adam was the only superhero he saw in comics that looked anything like him. And I think that that is, that is admirable. But the thing is, The Rock does, he does representation within genre, but, but his number one aim is to be commercially successful. So he kind of like, when he did the Fast and Furious movies, he wanted to have stuff from his, his Samoan heritage, but in a very kind of like, yeah, look at that, so we've gone to Samoa, okay, now we're gonna just go and do the normal thing that we usually do. And so that, so there's, there's a, there was a chance to do more with this film, but I think what The Rock is most concerned about is that it's commercially successful, which is not to be sniffed at. It has been very successful. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a very... You know, Moana, another tie into. Yeah, yeah. So big. Yeah, but, I, th but I, th I think I think actually successful. Yeah. Moana had a lot more authenticity than this does. So, <laughs> so, so in the I mean I think last week I ended up I remember saying that I remember saying last week that this was uh this could only ever be a three star even if this thing, <laughs> if this achieved 
all of its aims in life, it would be a three-star film. And um, and my my opinion hasn't changed. It's a three-star film, which would be good enough, distract enough entertainment, but it has some problematic things in it that I thought that I'd hoped we'd left behind. <laughs> Sharon, I what did you think? That it's a, I would agree that it's a three-star film. I think even had I understood the world better and not got it confused with a Marvel film, I still... <laughs> Um, I thought it still would have been a three film for me because again, when I think when they mentioned like the Justice Society, I was yes. like, "What's a Justice Society when it's at home?" <laughs> I've heard of the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of the Avengers, but what's what's the Society? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That, that, this is the, this is this is the, the there is a longer conversation to be had about DC and how DC have messed up the entire world and how how DC have messed and why this is part of that this is the there's things in this that are emblematic of this that the dc movies are just a mess when it comes to them being interconnected they are a massive stinking pile of of their mess and, and it's, i had viola davis sort of being samuel L. jackson nick fury i thought oh, she no, she, like, she's she was being amanda waller and she was amanda oh, waller because i she, thought was she like a i thought is she just doing what samuel L. jackson did as nick fury does she, she like round up all these well, yeah, essentially, she she first showed up in Suicide Squad. She first showed ah. up in Suicide Squad as Amanda Waller. She showed up I in the Suicide that. Squad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's 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 not it's not bad that you don't remember it. it. Many people who who many people who do remember it wish they didn't. She so, birds of prey as well. What she what? She in birds of prey as well. I don't remember her in birds of prey, but she was. She shows up in the TV show the piss the she shows up in the TV show Peacemaker. But, uh, uh, yes, because that follows on from Suicide Squad. Yeah, so so uh, she plays Amanda Waller, who is kind of like the Nick Fury character, but a lot less, a lot less. She has she has fewer morals. Let me put it that way. Amanda Waller has fewer morals than Nick Fury does. So anyway, that's it. Three stars for Black Adam. It is uh it is a middle of the road superhero movie could have done more could have done a bit more with representation because they, they do a whole there's a whole thing that they go about going yes we finally have a hero who will fight for our rights i mean when people were in where in where when people were invading a country where were you hawkman where was the justice society of america you didn't come and so there's this sort of like little bit of commentary and then but the, when it seems like it could go somewhere that actually say something is like oh knock down another building quick <laughs> <laughs> like, destroy an antiquity because hey you don't need those after all do you yes what run run through the streets but grow really really big and run through the streets in a way that makes it very very obvious that you just stepped and killed on a whole bunch of people so, <laughs> so but yeah anyway anyway that's enough about black adam let us go over to tv and now we're going to go over to streaming stuff and holly you can take your pick what do you want to talk about first of all, Lord of the Rings or House of the Dragon? And we will fire questions at you. I am going to start with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. All so, right. Okay, cool. Tell us about this. So the premise is, um, and I suspect many people already know this, that uh, thousands and thousands of years before Lord of the Rings, stuff happened. Who would have thought? Um, and much of this has been written about by Tolkien in Silmarillion uh, and the Unfinished Tales. So there's, and some of it in the, um, if I remember rightly, in some of the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. Yep. So a whole load of, you know, back canon for it. And they decided to finally, 
and it, begin to get their arms around it and try to capture some of some of the some of the backstory. So it doesn't start right at the beginning of Tolkien's work because that would arguably be slightly difficult to film. What it it addresses that begins the point where the original evil Morgoth was destroyed some years ago and uh, Galadriel had been a warrior fighting against him and she believes that there are still remnants of his forces out there including uh, Sauron who was known to be one of his chief um, I'd say uh, generals generals I like henchmen um <laughs> Acolyte so, is good as well. Acolyte is a better one. Uh, so we begin that with the position from Galadriel. At the same time, you have um, an area that's called the Southlands, which is, um, if you ever have looked at a map of Lord of the Ring from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Earth, you might have an idea what it's going to end up being. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, I think I think Holly, you you have two shows and you've been watching two shows, which come with their own geography lesson. So, <laughs> So the, ge the geography is wildly complicated. The premise is so fundamentally that bad stuff is happening in the south, um, a place that had been very closely aligned with Morgoth previously and, and the men there had fought for Morgoth. You have Galadriel who believes that Sauron is still a threat. You have the elves who, the, the main group of elves who believe that everything's fine now and we should stop worrying about things. And you have the dwarves who are happily doing dwarfy things and mining because that's what, as we know, dwarves do. Yeah, that's what dwarves do, yeah. Uh, you also have this a group called uh, the Harfords who are a precursor to the hobbits who also have, if I remember rightly, quite large feet being a very hobbity thing yeah and they are pottering along on their little travels which they do they migrate all around middle earth and at the beginning uh you have a, as come uh, comes apparent over the first two episodes a man crashes from the heavens uh who is a very tall man who doesn't know how to speak uh, speak I, I can't pick a language yeah found by the harfoots and you have Galadriel, who has been heading out to sea to return to the old land of the elves and realises that she shouldn't do this. So finds herself shipwrecked, or, or well, in the middle of the ocean, being saved, and in a place called Numenor, where, um, which is, is where Aragorn's ancestors were originally from. So and you have these independent bits coming together with, where is... Where is Sauron? He must be here somewhere. You have uprisings in the south with orcs. And how is this all going to come together to the point where anybody knows what's going on at all? All right. So, you had a question there. So so obviously we had Galadriel, previously played by Kate Blanchett, now played by Morford Clark. So yes. this is obviously young, young Galadriel. And for what I could understand, this is Galadriel on a quest or Galadriel's quest. Yes. So... Eight her, episodes of Galadriel's Quest. Broadly speaking, yes. Uh, her her brother had died. She's, you know, a lot of this is about personal vengeance and various things which come out along the way. You also have young Elrond, um, who is also on a different sort of personal quest to rebuild his relationship with um, his his old dwarf friend Durin the 
Oh yeah, Durin. Durin. That, that's the one that all the hobbits were singing Durin, about. One of the many Durins. There's oh, okay. A Durin, there's a younger Durin. Okay. And then there's <laughs> and then there's Durin who comes up in Lord of the Rings, who may or may not be either of those Durins. Might be a completely different one. I think is a different one. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh. In in yeah. Lord of the Rings, they keep going on about Isildur's heir. Yeah. And that, that's and so is this going back to the time of Isildur? Yeah. It is indeed. So we have Isildur okay. in in here, who is played by a bloke whose name I don't remember. <laughs> his father is one of the key characters who is a general from uh, Numenor, and is therefore all part of this coming together of elves and men um, to b battle against you know evil that is rising. Mm. And you spend the the sort of the, one of the the key focuses is trying to figure out what's going on and who anybody is because you know that Sauron is out there somewhere, but you don't know who Sauron is. And you've got a few reasonable contenders there, some of which are more logical than others. Does, and does it one, does it go a bit Agatha Christie? It is a little Agatha Christie, yeah. <laughs> and there's um and in the same time as it could be. Could it be the, the the very tall stranger who's hanging out with the uh, with the Harfoots? And if it's not him, who is he? So there's a lot of this unfolding against beautiful, beautiful scenery. I mean, the cinematography is wonderful. It's a beautiful mm. thing to watch, regardless of your your views on the the contents and its pace. It's visually stunning. Well, you would hope so because this was reportedly the most expensive TV show ever made. Fortune, yes. Yeah, and you, the, the production values do pay off in just how beautiful it looks. Mm. It, it, it does it. Not it sort of knocks slightly knocks your socks off how stunning it is and how they're able to capture things. It's a it's a real joy if you love Lord of the Rings and you love which is not consistent to everybody who has watched it. But if yeah, you're true. in the geography and what places are and what places were and seeing how it all fits together. So so you obviously love Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings, You yes. love Lord of the Rings. So I, I have two questions for you. Number I one. I've book many times as well, I should add. All right, cool. So number one question is, how does this hold up against the films? Is this like a stain on the good name of the films? I mean, and by that, I'm talking about the Lord of the Rings films, not the Hobbit films, because those are a stain. Um, uh, <laughs> so it's I'm talking about how does it hold up against the Lord of the Rings films, and how did you get on with it? How much did you like it? Two questions. Okay, I think actually it holds up reasonably in uh, in comparison to the films. Mm. It's slower. It's and that this is a, a common bit of feedback from people is it's much slower, and that's been a bit of, you know, a quite negative feedback from people is just like nothing yeah. happens. I enjoyed the pace actually. Okay. I liked it, and I, I know I think it's I think it's a bit marmite. I mean, Sean did not like it. I'm just tracking down what he had to say about it. Um, <laughs> It was, it was, oh, so, so Sean, Sean, who is currently sunning himself somewhere in Thailand, or yeah. probably probably asleep somewhere in Thailand right now. Uh, so um, he he actually sent you his his detail. Yeah, his... So Rings of Power, disgustingly awful. Lucky to rate two stars. I M H O. 
So <laughs> he wasn't a fan. No. I'm. I. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, but I really, really enjoyed watching it, and I would go back previous episode again before watching the next one all right which i often do with series as well because i like being sort of back in and you pick up things that you'd missed in the previous one sometimes you have to re-watch all of that all of that i mean uh love lovecraft um county lovecraft country yeah that was i had to re-watch the entirety of that before every new episode the only way to figure out what was going on um so i think it's probably a three from me I really liked it. In some ways, I would give it a five because I enjoyed it enormously. But I think on balance, I appreciate the criticisms that others have given. So, no, probably more like a three and a half, actually, if I'm allowed a half today. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. We can yeah, do whatever we want. Three and a half, because I could give it a five. But I think that would be me just being self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> and we I never do the, that. I did watch the first episode of it, but then I, I wasn't into it enough to watch it all, so I didn't carry on with it. And my oldest brother is a has been a Tolkien fan since his youth, and he's now in his fifties, and he utterly despised it. <laughs> so every time he came into the house, I was challenged: Have I watched it? And it was like. No, and he was like, "Don't what do this?" So he has gone and rewatched the um, Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he's made sure his children have been watching them so that they are not polluted <laughs> by I've, any influences of anything I've done else. Exactly the same. So I've rewatched the trilogy, and I've rewatched all of the Hobbit films. Uh, okay, I can feel a tangent coming on. I can feel a tangent rant going on about the Hobbit movies and how. Okay, go for it. Go yeah, for it. no, 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 no. But it, 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 it well, this is a TV series that I don't think I'm ever going to watch because, <laughs> because I think um, part of the, even though I am not like, you know, that because I, I remember being at a friend's wedding and this is a friend, let me, let me put it this way. He had bits in his wedding program written in Elvish to give you an idea. <laughs> Oh, I know this friend. No, no, you do not. You do not know this friend. <laughs> you, you do not know this friend. He had he had written, written in Elvish, and he was challenging us to try and figure out what this thing said in Elvish. It was a it was a, a threefold chord is not easily broken in written in Elvish, and um, huh? yeah, and he spent some time when we started talking about because it's around about when the and he and he was complaining about they strayed from the original texts, and I was like. Where's Isn't Tom the... Bombadil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of. And I was kind of like, wasn't the original text just a glossary or like an index? How do you film an index? Of course they're going to stray from the original text. But I feel like this, this, the fact that this TV show exists is first and foremost because of money. Because somebody is trying to make a whole bunch of money. That is the first and foremost reason why this exists. And, and I can't get away from that. So uh, I don't think I'm a big enough Lord of the Rings head to go, oh, I must have everything. No. No, I'm, I'm like, okay, it exists. Cool. Some people like it. Fine. Some people don't like it. Some people are going to get really het up about it. Doesn't really change my life. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I, there's too much stuff on TV and there's too much stuff in my life to spend eight hours trying to figure out who Sauron is when I already know who Sauron... Well, I already know what Sauron becomes. I mean, I, I also have problems with prequels. I have serious problems with prequels, which is also why I might never watch House of the Dragon. But, <laughs> but, uh, rant over. Now, that wasn't even the proper rant that was going to uh, go on. Please. 
and breathe and go back to cinema. Go going back to cinema. We're going to talk about Barbarian, and so I'm the only one who's seen this. So I'm the one who's going to do a nice little dance around <laughs> around a whole bunch of stuff because Barbarian is a horror movie that was released in America a while back and became a word of the mouth of mouth hit. I think it's ended up making ten times its budget, and it is one of these things where it's like, oh, oh man, oh wow, and everybody's saying, oh, you think it's one thing, and then half an hour in it becomes something else, and when you find out what it is, oh my god, <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that you're hearing about Barbarian, and that is the only reason why I watched it because of my aversion to spoilers, because even though it's a horror movie, and I do not like horror movies, and um. I was like, uh, but someone's going to mention what this film's about. And because I'm a film buff, I, I guess I should know because everybody's talking about this. So it was a toss-up between going to watch Bros, the gay romantic comedy, or watching Barbarian. And I went, oh, I guess I should go see Barbarian, even though, quite frankly, I probably would have preferred to see Bros. And uh, hopefully maybe next week. And... um. So this film starts off with a woman called Tess, and it, it, that is, she's played by Georgina Campbell, who is an up-and-coming British actress who has been in things like Black Mirror. I know her most most for Black Mirror, and um, she gets a she she's going for a job interview in Detroit. She arrives at night; it's raining, pouring rain, and she goes to the Airbnb that she's supposed to be staying in. And there's like a key safe thing, and she she keys the, puts the key safe in, tries to get the key, but the key's already gone. And so she knocks on the door and finds that there's somebody in the Airbnb. There's a man in the Airbnb. And he is already there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've booked this Airbnb. She's like, no, I've booked this Airbnb. So it seems like there's been some sort of conflict that she has to go into this house with a man that she doesn't know. And so... Love in the villa. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, Sharon. Love in the villa. Love in the villa. <laughs> the, uh, I think uh, I've uh, seen this film. <laughs> and so, so what Sharon is talking about is a Netflix romantic comedy. One of those ones that has love in the title and has a stupid pun but, but yeah but yeah so essentially that's the, that's the original setup but only with this obviously it's dark it's raining everything is and it just feels and it's 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 a little bit kind of and so the first bit of this film is like what's going on here is it sinister who is this guy named keith which is and he's and the fact that he's played by bill skarsgård who is most famous known for playing pennywise the clown in it it kind of give, it it it's unsettling. It's unsettling. Like when so she's there. Hey, she has to, what? Keith is not a sinister name. I'm just I'm putting it out there. I don't know any sinister Keiths. Yeah, I know. I know that. I think that's one of the things. It's, it's kind of like the fact that you have this sinister situation with a guy called Keith. <laughs> it's and so it's all about so that's how the film starts off, and it's all about oh this woman she's a little bit vulnerable has to go into this house with a guy because she doesn't really have any other any other choices and that's about all you really should say about the film that and because as it goes on it morphs it changes things happen goes on it goes all horror people make stupid decisions and with this <laughs> with this film no, no with this film I feel, you know, Sharon, how you were talking about walking into Black Adam and thinking it was a Marvel movie and then going, what the hell's going on here? And <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of my complaints about this film are like the person who goes to a superhero movie and watches a superhero movie and complains that it was unrealistic because there was somebody flying around. And, <laughs> and I, I feel like if I'm going to watch a horror movie... There's things I'm going to complain about, like, why would you do that? Why would you go down there? Why would you? No, no, no. There is an obvious line of, like, there's an obvious 
course of action to take here and you are deliberately choosing to not take it have you never uh, seen a horror film exactly. yeah, yes yeah. yes that, that and 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 there's bits so i i i i'm not gonna lie i was looking at my watch quite a bit i was looking at my watch quite a bit and i think because I, I did not enjoy watching this film. I did not enjoy watching this film, but I think the reason I did not enjoy watching this film is probably because it's quite effective at doing what it does. Uh, but I'm, I've got, I'm kind of like, you know, building a sense of dread, building a sense of unease, all that kind of stuff. And I'm probably, I'm sitting there thinking, look, we know what's going to happen. We know there's going to be bad stuff happening. Just skip all this preamble and get to the bad stuff and tell me what the bad stuff is. Because I don't have to, I don't have to sit down here and wait for, oh, 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 yeah, that's disgusting. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's horrific. Oh, hang on a second. And and there's a bit of this, and I'm trying very hard not to give what this film's away is, but there's a bit of this where it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like, um, at the moment, there's this TV show Dharma about Jeffrey Dharma on, on, on Netflix. And I have serious issues with making entertainment out of a serial killer. And... Yes. I have I have issues make making entertainment out of a serial killer and treating it like it's all this big. It's a who done it, and it's not a who done it. Like like a, like like treating it like it's a big laugh. And there's elements of this that come from real life, and I am not sure that taking those elements that come from real life and making entertainment out of it. Mm-hmm. I I I I personally don't like it. I personally don't like it, and. I have issues with it. So, so when they when you, when they reveal what's happening, I'm like, should you be making entertainment out of that? So, but but a lot of people are raving about it. People are talking about it, and I think those are those are people who are horror buffs because I think this re- requires a certain suspension of disbelief. It, re- it requires you to sit down there and be like, yes, you know what? I'm just gonna sit here, and I know it's a horror movie, and I'm going to just accept that. Oh you no, know, that guy's flying around like when I'm watching a superhero movie. I'm going to accept that. You know what? If you didn't do that thing, there would be no horror, and therefore I am fine with you doing that thing. Personally, I'm not. I'm not. And I, it has just reinforced my ideas that no matter how, no matter how raved about the film is, if it's a horror movie, it's probably not for me. It's <laughs> it's a little bit it reminds me of Fresh, which was released earlier this year on Disney Plus, and Fresh did a very similar thing where you shouldn't know what's going on before you go into the thing. I guessed what it was beforehand. But it was a similar thing where I was like, should we be making dollar entertainment out of this? I actually think Fresh and Barbarian would make a very, very uh, masochistic double bill. <laughs> because, because they have similar, they, I think they have similar themes. So for me, I would give Barbarian a three. I know there's a lot of people going four, some people going to five, some people saying one of the best films of the year. Not for me. And now we go back to TV and we go back to another money grab. I mean, another fantasy TV show that, <laughs> that, that was made for entirely, entirely artistic reasons. There's a really good artistic reason for this, film, for this TV show to exist. And this is House of the Dragon. So, Holly, tell us about House of the Dragon. I have seen this as well. So I've oh. seen the whole series as well. Oh, Sharon, you've seen it as well. Okay, cool. So both yeah. of you, tell us, tell me about House of the Dragon. Try, try and convince me to watch this thing. Well, <laughs> I'll give an initial bit of context before handing over to Sharon, who will articulate things far better than I can at the moment. Um, House of the Dragon is a prequel to um, Game of Thrones. I wonder why they made this show. 
I know. It's really surprising, isn't it? I know you weren't what? expecting that. It's really out of the blue. And is set approximately 300 years before Game of Thrones, um, focusing on the Targaryen dynasty at a point where they head for some really epic infighting. It's based upon a prequel that, um, an, well, an epic prequel history that George R. R. Martin has written called Fire, Fire and, and Blood. Which is, and I have sitting around here somewhere, and I've it read is, it is, it, it is, it is a massive doorstop of a book. Brilliant. Wow. My my wife has read it. It's I actually I'm I'm gonna say I I like it in some ways and not in others. Gosh, there's a there's a fence sitting statement of error. Well, the book the book uh, or the TV book. show. I'm just going to say the book. Uh, yeah. But it's extremely irritating that he went off and pissed around with writing that rather than getting on and finishing Game of Thrones. Um, right, Windsor, like, Windsor. Like, <laughs> well, actually, well, well, yeah. It's well, it's, it's he's pulling what I think of as a Robert Jordan with the Wheel of Time and basically dying before it's finished and having had somebody else primed to finish off writing it. It's he like, obviously doesn't know how to end it. Well, yeah, exactly. He sort of knows how to end it, but he also can't be bothered, which is you know leads to sloppy writing. And I think he may have you know missed the boat really with the series having finished. But you know that aside, I think this it is indicative of you know George R R Martin's you know, weird lack of focus that we've ended up with this as well. Um, I am now going to hand over to Sharon to provide more, you know, profound insights and then I'll just, you know, shout incoherently at times. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those dramas where it's, you, in your, you're watching it and if you know what happens in Game of Thrones, you're trying to make that connect between how the Targaryens seemingly are invincible in this and yet you you meet Daenerys Targaryen in Game of the beginning of Game of Thrones, living in exile in isolation with no dragons, and, and then the, she gets um, the dragon the, eggs. And the only one around. Yeah, and so the only Targaryen living, and when then there's and then suddenly you find we are back these several hundred years beforehand when there are like a dozen dragons, there are a dozen dragon riders, and there's this large dynasty of Targaryens seemingly invincible, and I think. The House of Dragon, you could almost call it like the, the, the decline and fall of the House of Targaryen as well, mm. because it, that seems to be, it's like charting the the point from where they were at their, not their peak, but where they seem to be almost invincible to yeah. how you see them to become what Daener Daenerys is. Yeah. And so you, 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 you meet this sort of this dynasty with, um, I, I get the names rattled up because they seem to be so similar, but I think it's Aegon. Is he A? Is, is so Aegon. The king is it's uh, Viserys is Viserys is king. There's Viserys, there's Aegon, there's Daemon. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you have a king, and he, when you first meet him, he's only got one daughter, and he has has had no living son. And so, for every king throughout history, their their driving force has been to provide an heir, to provide so you can ensure that your legacy continues. So. That is basically the start and when things start to fall apart in the House of Targaryen in this instance. And may because I his... carry on. And say that he had gained the throne by dint of being a boy as well, of being a man yes. as well. But there had previously been a toss up between a granddaughter and a grandson where the granddaughter was older and it went to him because the, the nobles preferred a man. They wanted a king. So it was like the, I think, you know, we know that George R. R. Martin was drawing inspiration from 
early English history. So this is classic sort of Empress Maud, um, you know, Queen Maud and Empress Matilda territory, where she was the heir to the throne, and yet she was they, they, a civil war was fought because they did not want a queen on the throne, even though she was the only heir. And yeah. so it went to King Stephen and all that lot malarkey. So we know it, we can see the reflections in our own history here in Britain. Uh, anyway, so um, his wife dies horribly in childbirth, and he's left with one sort of semi-grown-up teenage daughter and he declares her as his heir there's various maneuverings and eventually he has been found by maneuverings a young wife and then she then produced continued to proceed to produce a number of male children for him so you then have this this conflict between the person who has been declared his heir who's a female and the fact that he has got two or three natural born sons Mm. who in an in an order order in in primogeniture because they're male they would immediately step above yeah. his daughter but because she he has formally named her his heir she should inherit regardless of whatever else happens and so the, the story is quite a slow build you begin to see um these rival camps between these two women really they're the main characters you've got the queen alicent who's married to the king and you've got his daughter her name escapes me it's a targaryen name Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra, that's it. So um, you basically see them forming their own dynasties of their own. Um, Rhaenyra beget has um, is, has a political marriage to her cousin. All the Targaryens sort of intermarry. Mm. And, and she has this, uh, but he is, is gay. And so he doesn't want, he can't, or he's, he's trying to consummate the marriage, but it's just his heart's not in it. <laughs> and so she has basically <laughs> a, a lover. <laughs> Shall we say it that way? <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just, that's just a brilliant way of saying it. <laughs> Try to go with it, but his heart's just not in it. <laughs> just, yeah, just, that's not happening. And so she actually forms a relationship with her, her one of her guards, the head, the, the, the head of the, the, the gold cloaks, and she has a number of sons with him who, because she is married, they become her husband's children, so they become her heirs. Yeah. Um, but, but it's widely known that basically the father of these children is not her husband yeah and so she has this sort of dynasty below her where she's where she's the heir but she's saying that my throne when i become queen is going to pass to my son who is a targaryen through her blood but not a targaryen through her husband's blood yeah and then you've got the Targaryen himself he's a valarian but he's a valarian Lawrence is from old Valeria. Okay, okay, okay. We're back in the realms of geography. We're back. We're back in the realms of, of a TV show needing yeah. needing its own. I mean, that's one. That's one of the things where I remember the Game of Thrones, where probably three or four episodes in, I realized that the opening sequences are essentially just a geography map telling you this is where we're going to be in this episode. <laughs> because so we know it's exactly, confusing. I think that's we've been. Yeah, it's confusing. So basically, it becomes where we've got. I think it becomes this like war of these two dynasties, these two women. You've got um, Mrs. Um, with her children, and then you've got the, the sort of Targaryen children. And you can see that this is setting up, it's going to become a battle. And as they say, the, the, the drama goes over about 20 years. So you see them when they're very young to when they're, they're mature, and it's like the last years of the king's life. And you can see how these two camps are forming. There's yeah. this sort of group surrounding the the blonde Targaryens almost, and then you can see this other camp forming around the black Targaryens, so that you've got this this battle is coming, and yet you're still waiting for that breach. At the moment, there's sort of through all through the, the, the different episodes, 
you can see where the crack is beginning to form and then it's widening but you don't actually see that complete breach until towards the end of the series so oh. it's the setting up of a major civil war within the Targaryens and dragging all the rest of Westeros in with it. And 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 right there, right there, you put your finger on why I might never watch the show. Because because that is the thing. You we know we're going towards this thing. We know we're going towards this breach. But this is an American TV show. And this show this show exists purely to cash in on the fact that Game of Thrones is a big massive hit and they don't want to let go of that cash cow so they've made another thing that's made in that universe and you know they're going to drag this thing out so I can guarantee you that by the end of this season this conflict doesn't happen and it's kind of like come back for season two for more conflict am I right yeah it comes I yes. knew it you don't <laughs> this I would say this is almost like a prequel to the the next, <laughs> this is like building up to the big stuff yeah. which is probably going to come in the next season. What referred to as the Dance of the Dragons. Is, oh, yeah. But it works well. That's the thing is, it does, it gives, yes, it's a it's a prequel and it is obviously a, you know, delightful cash cow, but it wouldn't, you couldn't do it faster. I think you need to sort of... You need if you are sowing the seeds, aren't you? You reap what you sow. So they yeah. are sowing the seeds of what is, and you can see that it's it's because of this. They've had this inbreeding. The Targaryen thing is that you marry your brother. You see brothers and sisters get married and have children, and you see that Daemon Targaryen marries his niece, who's played by Rhaenyra Targaryen. I never get the names right. They, they marry each other and they have children. So it's, it's this interbreeding that. We know the downfall of the House of the Dragon is probably is madness most of the time, yeah. by brought up by inbreeding. And when a when a Targaryen's born, the the um the gods toss a coin. Toss a coin, yeah. So whether it's going to be mad or not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So so fine, fine. I mean, the, did you enjoy it? How many stars would you give it? Yes, four. I really like it and I like the fact that it is that it gave you that slow burn because as you said they they you saw bits that happened earlier on and you could see how it compounded how small things became bigger and bigger and bigger and what should have not been a problem becomes you can see yeah. that you can see the storm brewing and, and that missed opportunities where the things could have been different but there were missed opportunities as yeah. there are with lots of George R.R.'s sort of from the writings you think yeah you, you know, it's, it is we've, we talk about this all the time don't we about sort of Chekhov's gun that how something you see in the first act you know there's going to be repercussions for that later on yeah. and so you see events in more or less the first episode that you think that is the seed being sown there and then that's going to be re you're going to reap that later uh, so I liked it. I thought, um, yeah, again, it was a slow burn. At the beginning, I was thinking, the first couple of episodes, I was thinking, are we ever going to get a episode nine type event? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two in the Game of Thrones, it's all happened in episode nine. Then you sort of saw a bit of the consequences in episode 10. Yeah. But it was all said to build up. I thought, are we going to, is it going to be like the slow burn? And I think, I don't think there really was, but I think. It, that that sort of slow build is because I think they're they're looking at this not over a sort of one series, but probably looking over four or five, realistically. So even though I haven't read that book, because I was got to the point where I'm thinking, if you're not going to publish Winds of Winter, I'm never going to read anything you ever write again. <laughs> <laughs> so you you if you don't, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I've had enough no. of you. If you don't, so, just, so, so when you said that the 
when, when you say that they're looking at this over like, you know, like maybe four or five years, both my face and my soul did a massive eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so I would... We'll be talking to you about it again. Yes, yeah. and I and I will be ignoring it again. I'll be ignoring it again yeah. and, until, <laughs> like, with Game of Thrones, my wife sits me down and says, I want to watch this thing. And I'll be like, oh, fine, I guess I should do something with you. But, <laughs> so take so, all so, that into account. I would probably still give it a four because I think it's... It kept me going. And someone who has, like, been completely alienated by the whole Game of Thrones things because I was a book reader first. And then it was like, don't do this to me. Um, and you just went and did it. So I was... Okay, it gets my gets my sort of will almost. I like I liked it, so I'll just give it a four. Okay, and all I right. Think cool. Sean cast his vote as well, and he said he liked it. And yes, well, you've got Sean's quote, haven't you? Holly? I have. He says, uh, "Slow burn, but pays off in the end." Big four stars from. Wait, wait, wait! Do you guys have a WhatsApp group without me? No, you're not <laughs> there. Group, you just didn't read the message. Oh, is this? What is this? <laughs> is this? Yes. Today. We literally sixteen fifty one. Okay, all right. Okay, fine. I will. Okay, all right, fine. I, I will stop being paranoid. I mean, we can start a WhatsApp group without you. That's funny. <laughs> well, after this, you probably will, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing so much help. All right, cool. So all that's left is to say, I mean, it's, it's when we only have, we usually have three things in cinema, three things at home. When we only have two, it's a bit easy to say. But who do you guys think has won this week between Netflix and cinema? Netflix. Yes. Netflix. Yes, Netflix has won by an average of 0.75 of a star. So, until next week when I might watch I might watch Bros. And I always the thing is I've gone to this point where I have not I, I just I don't know when films are coming out anymore. So I know that Wakanda Forever is almost upon us, but I don't know when it's been released. <laughs> I think it might be next Friday. Yeah, uh, I think it's I'm just oh, so, okay. it's imminent, isn't it? Yeah. But but so, but what will happen is that the usual thing will happen where they will, Marvel will release a film and then there'll be nothing in cinemas for like two weeks because everybody's running scared. They're running scared. Yes. But what made me laugh this week when I was looking at what films came out, I saw that bros, but I read it as bros, and I thought, bros. oh, that's a film about bros. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a, it's a film about, this is about bros. I thought, I don't want to see that. So I must be, I skimmed past it, but in my, I just read it as, as bros. As I bros, thought, yeah. I yeah, knew I there was a film about the, the Goss brothers, so I thought, I just thought it was that. Yeah, so. no, no, okay, no, no, no. The Bros film would be um, I used to be famous, which was which is on Netflix and was re re yeah. reviewed by Short a couple of weeks ago, which yeah. is based on a character that is so obviously the Goss brothers rolled into one man. So, so it's like it's so. But anyway, anyway. So until that time next week, we will find some things to watch in cinema. We'll find some things to watch in Netflix and friends. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. A goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us, PWC. Subscribe and leave us a leave us a review. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. If you like us, leave us a review on iTunes. If you don't like us, just tell Holly that she's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye.